I actually think that all Marcom people should have some experience in design um, and understand what that world is like, if only for the benefit of being able to communicate more clearly with their team. You know, RJ has so much uh, to unpack in this episode, but I, I think what a lot of it comes down to, the kind of the gestalt of it, and you'll hear more about that word in the episode, but the the purpose of it is 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 marketing with empathy, seeing things through other shoes. And that can be something as simple as your social media manager or graphic designer. Uh, or he also talks about getting back in the classroom and teaching, which is terrifying for a lot of people to think about uh, doing. But uh, it, it's an important reminder that that we're stronger for it when we when we go off and have those experiences. I think I really love that he helped us helped remind us that we need to be comfortable being uncomfortable as marketers. I think the landscape for us is continuously changing and just rolling up our sleeves, trying the new platforms, trying the new ad strategies and being really hands-on has a lot of value and power and can help us really continue to evolve and grow within this landscape. Yeah, and um, like all things, when we experiment, sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. And we have some exciting news on the win side. During this year's Content Marketing Awards, if you haven't heard it already, we, the Social Pros Podcast, the one you're listening to right now, placed first in the best podcast audio series in the Content Marketing Awards. We are beyond proud of this achievement, but it isn't really our pride. Uh, it is really your win. We can't thank everyone for your support over the years, for listening to all the episodes and all of the insights. Uh, it's because of you and the community that that was made possible. And we, I think we're going to chalk that up as a win. Now, before we get into the show today, we highly recommend you go check out our amazing, amazing show sponsor, rather, ICUC. Uh, ICUC are experts in online and social media community management, and they're here to remind the world that there are real humans behind brands. ICUC creates the space where tech meets human power by moderating, listening, and holding real conversations with customers on behalf of enterprise brands at a global scale. ICUC provides strategic support and fills customer care gaps as an extension of your team 24-7, 365 days a year, in any language, and on every social channel. Head to icuc.social to schedule a consultation and talk strategy and see how they can support you. That's icuc.social. Time is precious for social media professionals, especially in a landscape where things are changing every day. And we know this really well at Convince and Convert. That's why we developed a free social media bundle that will help you execute an A-class social audit. Uh, the bundle includes really everything you need to, to go off and do an audit, uh, includes an evaluation checklist, nine social media metrics that matter ebook, uh, content calendar template to help you get started, and the all-important social media policy template. You can download your free bundle today at bit.ly slash social audit bundle. That's bit.ly forward slash social audit bundle. And now let's get into this week's episode with R.J. Thompson, Director of Digital Marketing with the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, 
RJ, I am so excited to talk to you more about doing marketing for not only graduates and undergraduates over at the University of Pittsburgh. I'm also a massive Pittsburgh fan. Admittedly, the Permani Brothers restaurant is a always must see. And um, my in-laws family is all from around Pittsburgh. So I spent a lot of time in the area and I love it so much. And I can't wait to talk to you a little bit more today, but really just want to kick us off by learning a little bit more about what your job entails. Really interested to hear a little bit more about that. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks, Erica, uh, for having me. And I'm I'm really excited that that you're a Pittsburgh fan. I could talk about Pittsburgh all day long and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to later. Um, My job, I am the Director of Digital Marketing in the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, But not only am I the Director of Marketing there, I am also on the adjunct faculty. So I get to be in the classroom while also uh, doing the staff side marketing work. And it's really quite a great balance, um, uh, a daily balance of, of activity. But um, with, my, with my staff side job as the director of digital marketing, primarily what I do is um, I manage our website, I manage our social profiles, uh, our, all of our platforms. Um, and then I also introduce a lot of creative direction into our recruitment campaigns. And then I also manage a lot of our marketing, in fact, all of our marketing data analytics. Um, Outside of that, I coordinate a lot with faculty and staff and program managers on how to get the word out about our degree programs and uh, bring students into the fold, into into our culture at at Pitt and in Pitt business. in the uh, on the adjuncting side, I teach marketing and advertising to undergraduates, um, which is really a lot of fun. Um, it, it adds so many new dimensions and a lot of it's like a breath of fresh air to to the work that I do. So I get to take the ideas that I'm grinding on in my position, and I get to bring them into the classroom and field test them, and it really helps me optimize those thoughts and and ideas and ultimately make them better towards execution. So. Um, one thing that you two will come to learn about me is that I'm always up to something. I'm doing a lot of different things. Um, one other notable thing that I do is I'm the president of Pittsburgh's American Marketing Association. So I get to interact with hundreds of marketers, um, in the Pittsburgh area and provide opportunities for them for growth. And while they learn from our programs and and come to our networking events, I too am learning from them and taking different ideas that they have from their relative industries and bringing it into higher ed. So it's a lot of fun to be able to share and exchange ideas like that. I mean, RJ, there is so much to unpack there. You are such an amazing wealth of knowledge. I, I can't wait to dig in to so many questions that I have truly. And I think it's really neat to hear that you're not only just doing the work as a marketer, I think but then bringing that to students and not often too. I think, you know, you have teachers who've maybe been out of it for a while who are still teaching and don't, aren't doing that hands-on work. And I think there's something really powerful to how you're, you know, living and breathing and learning and kind of growing both at the same time. So really, again, a lot to unpack, but before we get too far down, some of those questions, I know Daniel and I both have that are burning you started out as a graphic designer. You weren't even in any of this. And so to take it back to the very beginning to then build up to all these amazing things you're doing, you know, you were coding, you were graphic designing. We don't often find marketing strategists and professors and things like that who started out on the graphic design side of the house. And I just, I had to 
ask mm-hmm. how you made that transition. So um, that's a great question. Sometimes I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but um, I've always thought of myself as someone that is at the center of the Venn diagram between marketing and design. Um, I really operate well in those spaces. So like you, you may hear people say like, oh, he's left brain, he's right brain. I'm actually center brained. Um, I can, I, 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 I straddle the, the middle of, of both worlds. Um, I've been a graphic designer for 26 years. I started when I was 11 years old. And so graphic design is, is my life. Um, I've, I've taught it. I've, I was a tenured professor once. And um, it wasn't until like I hit undergraduate college that I realized that marketing and design are really just two different sides of the same coin. And um, graphic design is, is such a great, sort of entryway into marketing and communications and PR because design at some case in some cases has to be all of those things at once. So I learned on the the design side of the house and in cultivating my visual communication skills and really trying to uh understand uh sentimentality, emotional touch points, really trying to figure out how can I convince someone visually to do something that I want them to do that they have not considered before. So, you know, you could call it visual rhetoric, you could call it manipulation, um, but there was always something that, that was really interesting to me about that relationship of it towards psychology and, and, and marketing and, and design. So um, for most of my career, I, I was uh, I, and still am a graphic designer, um, but the transition really happened for me once I decided to, to leave academia. So um, I was a I was a tenured professor of graphic design at Youngstown State University, and um, but I was driving to and from Youngstown. Well, basically from Pittsburgh to Youngstown and back every day. That's an hour in the car, one way for seven years. It just it destroyed my body. My shoulders all messed up, and I wanted to relocate my career back in Pittsburgh, but I wanted to stay in higher education. Um, I'm you know I. I'm a graphic designer naturally, but I'm also a teacher and I wanted to stay in higher ed. So um, I called my, my buddies up in the business school at Pitt and said, hey, you know, um, I want to come home. I don't care what I'm doing. I'll clean toilets. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'll pick up trash and, and work the grounds. Doesn't matter. I just want to work at Pitt. And they said, well, coincidentally, there's this really great position that just opened up. And that was Associate Director of Student Engagement which was really a marketing position. So that's where my sort of transition into marketing happened. Um, And then from that point, uh, the supervisors I had recognized my high skill set in design, and they let me infuse a lot of that design uh, skill in my job. And we were able to create such uh, wonderful campaigns and engagement work in um, Sooner rather than later, uh, the dean and the executive uh, leadership and, and the college noticed and they're like, hey, um, it's uh, it's the pandemic. Um, our, our marketing team is without a leader. Can you run the team throughout the pandemic? And um, I ran the, the marketing communications team uh, in coordination with um, my former boss. And then we started to build the bench, getting new talent, getting new people into the team. And then I... St- stepped aside and and I just do the digital marketing stuff. But I should say that a, a big component of my career is interactive design, specifically web design. So I can build websites from the ground up. And um, 
I built our entirely new uh, website for pit business from nothing. And that was one of the things that, that got me further cemented into my marketing position. So, um, it took, uh, some, some, some of my leaders to recognize and value my skill set, give me opportunities to, to grow that into, uh, a marketing perspective. And then eventually, uh, I got promoted to director of digital marketing. And, um, soon after that, other people took notice. Now I'm teaching marketing classes in, uh, at Pitt, at Point Park University. Um, and I'm still teaching design. So I'm still involved in all of these things. So that's kind of, that's kind of my background and my story. It's so funny um, that, I mean, you, you, you kind of have like a secret ninja skill that perhaps a lot of our social pros <laughs> uh, uh, listeners could benefit from learning more about, which is how do you teach a marketing person to, to build better design briefs so that you don't, you don't yeah. leave designers kind of uh, tossing in the wind, trying to figure out like what, what, what is the audience here? What is the motivation? What is the intent of this thing supposed to be? It's like, go make me a, a, a campaign, you know, graphic and approach to a campaign. Um, right. The, uh, so it, it, I'm glad you brought that up because um, mostly um, there are fewer graphic designers at Pitt than there are marketers. There's like 300 marketers. It's crazy. It's awesome. Um, some of them have a design sensibility. Others do not. Um, those that do not usually follow the branding playbook. Here are your spot colors. Here's your typeface. Add a picture. And there you go. Um, but there are some marketing folks that have a, a, a taste for design. They, they understand its impact visually, what it can mean. They may not know how to make it necessarily, but they recognize it. So it's like I recognize good music when I hear it but I cannot play it. More, more importantly, you don't want me to play it, but I can recognize it. So um, it's really about cultivating that, that interest and, and being able to teach people what good design looks like, how it functions, how it's built. Um, and with social media managers, they are absolutely in the center of the Venn diagram, just like me. Um, they have to be able to make those graphics, but also understand like what makes a good photo you know, rule of thirds, composition, lighting, foreground, background relationships. Um, but then they have to write the copy for it too. So out of anyone, a jack of all trades is going to be a social media manager. Um, I actually was responsible for hiring our uh, social media person in pit business. And uh, she reports to me and I, I spend a lot of time with her uh, training her on, here's what good design looks like. Here's how you can manipulate the software to do what you want. And then Think about social media from an aerial view, from an overarching campaign sort of view or an overarching narrative. Um, really try to, uh, you know, you can do those one-off posts, but also try to think them as a, as a tethered story across a period of time. So we have a lot of uh, opportunity to experiment and try new things uh, with, with our social media accounts. And um, we have the benefit of doing that versus some of the other colleges at Pitt. They maybe don't have the skill set or the ambition or the vision. Um, so I, I like to think that we're, we're at the top of our game at, at Pitt, at least. <laughs> Shameless plug. And you you can do that because you had mentioned in the uh, prior to to us recording this episode that a lot of I mean the, a lot of the skill 
on your team actually is an in-house skill. It's not, uh, you don't have agencies or other sort of uh, network of right. designers. So tell me about how did you come about making that decision? Is it because you have a design background, you kind of knew, hey, I want, I think we would be more efficient and more successful doing this together as a team rather mm -hmm. than always briefing an agency. Because uh, I think that's a that's something often, particularly those creating social content, it's a struggle. Like how do we go, we know kind of what we should be doing, but how do we actually go get that mm -hmm. stuff made and built? Uh, and that is definitely a struggle, I think, for a lot of, of social pros. Yeah. So the, the first part of that, um, I have a, a really strong uh, connection with our graphic designer um, on our team. Um, she recognized my talents. I recognize her. We are able to, uh, we're very compatible style-wise. Um, and but we're both the uh, older members of the team, so we're we're seasoned in our careers. And um, when when I transitioned to the graduate school, uh, it was like, hey, you know, we get two designers in one, right? So uh, we have a designer. I can do the design work. Um, I'm training my social media person to do that as well. I actually think that all Marcom people should have some experience in design um, and understand what that world is like, if only for the benefit of being able to communicate more clearly with their team. So if I'm a, if I'm a comms person, I can say to the designer, here's the emotional intent, here are some of the things that we need to include. And the designer understands that. So there's an equiv equivalent knowledge and, and method, clear communication. So I'm all for that. And I'm, I love educating people on, on design. So um, it was an augment, nevertheless, to our team. So now our team has essentially two graphic designers. My role in that is I provide the creative direction on some of the work, not all of it. So I'll provide like, all right, we're going to do a social campaign. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's the prototype. Here's the mock-up. And then the rest of the team and I will build the smaller pieces. Um, if it's like uh, a magazine or um, a digital, not a web-based piece, but um, like a flyer or something like that, the, the graphic designer would do that. So, you know, it's about uh, diverting the work to the, the folks that have the strongest skills in those areas. So for me, like I'm always moving, always uh, the synapses are always firing. So I got to get those ideas out. I got to get them prototyped and mocked up so that I have that for reference later. But so too do, does the social manager and the graphic designer. So when it comes to vendors, um, we had uh, a good relationship with, with an outside vendor that was handling our, uh, our advertising, our social ads and some other aspects. Um, but the pandemic, uh, saw fit to uh take them out of the picture uh budgets got a, a little bit shortened um we had to spend our money more efficiently more wisely uh, a lot of my experience is actually in uh advertising entrepreneurship i i i've run and sold three companies i'm on my fourth now as like a side side hustle um so building building an agency team was nothing new to me um so i was really excited to be able to do that and that meant that we no longer needed our, uh, our vendors. So we, we, we dropped them and we found that once we did that, our team had a lot more opportunity to develop professionally, build new skills, explore new ideas. Um, we, the, the handcuffs were taken off with respect to, all right, now we can try all of these different ideas that the agency wasn't hot on, um, that ended up working out for us. Um, 
And it saved a lot of money that we were able to repurpose back into our paid ads, uh, our search engine marketing and the like. Um, we still do use some vendors, mostly for photo and video capture, doing some, some light video work, but uh, trying to bring all of those skills in house was critical. And that also meant adding positions to our team to facilitate uh, those skills, uh, those opportunities. And we've been able to do that as well. Um, and we've had a lot of success. We've, we've gotten a lot of recognition, not just across campus, but um, we've won awards for our work. So we're getting recognition from the industry and it's given our team such a, a, a great swell of confidence and, and pride in the work that they do. Um, and I couldn't be happier. So um, removing the, that core vendor from the picture was uh, fortuitous and, and beneficial. Um, you know, I've, I've heard of folks in, in similar situations where they can't um, uh, essentially ask, drop their vendor. Um, and in some cases, that vendor would stick, uh, stick us with or uh, our colleagues uh, with a junior staff member, which is by no means uh, a dig at them, but like, we're paying a lot of money. We need a lot of this strategic thinking and experience, and we aren't necessarily getting it. And it came down to a point on our end where we were just paying someone to do social ads for us. And it's like, why are we even paying for that? So now that our bench is built, we've got the talent and the, you know, the right people in place, uh, we're just firing at all cylinders. I, I want to kind of broaden this a little bit. I mean, you uh, were talking about sort of the the design and the team structure, but you you actually, RJ, sit at the top of kind of the strategy function for the team. And that's an evolution, it sounds like, that took place during the last couple of years. We'll call them the pandemic years or whatever it might be. Uh, you sort of evolved mm -hmm. into this, this leadership role. Uh, and most certainly a lot has changed in higher ed in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, so, you know, what kind of, how has that impacted the, how have the last two years impacted your strategy? What are some of the changes that you have made on the content side, on the uh, sort of community management side to um, uh, tap into kind of the general gestalt people have right now about, yeah. about all things and all things education? So, um, you know, I've seen pretty much all sides of, of higher ed. Uh, I've been a student, a grad student. I've been on the faculty. I'm on the staff. I've been in leadership positions and unions and everything like that. And um, all of those experiences really helped shape my leadership style and, and my vision. Um, not everyone has that. Like, I also think where all Marcom people need to have some experience in design, even if it's just like a one week immersive kind of thing. Uh, I also think that a lot of Marcom folks would benefit from being in a classroom, even if it's for a week. Um, it's those experiences that, that most people don't necessarily get that can really be deeply informative. Um, I love being able to uh, bring ideas into the classroom because I can get the students who I market to to tell me what resonates with them and what doesn't. And that directly um, matches the content strategy. So for example, for a period of time on the teaching side, um, especially if you're in a state university, there's an expectation that you as a faculty member have to do recruitment. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a loveless sort of task because you don't get credit for it necessarily, but 
you do it because you want good students in your programming. So I'm going out to all the high schools. I'm talking with their teachers. I'm finding all the different things that they're looking for in, in a program, but better yet, like a contact from me. So uh, some of those things would be like students want uh, a, a professor that is really engaged, but understands them on a personal level, is personable, but also is energetic and is excited about learning, which you know, is something that they don't necessarily get once they get into college, right? Um, let's read from these PowerPoints in, in a very monotone way. Uh, nevertheless, so um, I, I wanted to be able to take all of those things that I'm learning and have that shape the center of our, our content strategy. So the content was always very much student-centered. Uh, it We used color and, and words and shapes and layouts that that spoke to them on on their level that were engaging. It did not ask, it does not ask much of them other than just look at me and here's what's happening. Um, I'm, I really believe in this idea of the idealized self-concept that every single human on the planet has this idealized version of themselves that ideally that they're working toward. Uh, and if they're not, they are aware that that idealized version works, is there somewhere, right? So we're all trying to to capture that idealized version. And, and the funny thing about it is that once you get to that point, it resets because you become something else and you become something else. So it's like this idealized evolution. So how do we capture students through content that, that taps into that idealized self-concept? Um, and, and pairing that with visuals and, and emotional, emotionally charged words that that get them thinking that, that resonates. So, um, our approach has been, we come up with different campaign concepts, as many as we can for every single degree. And then from that point, we take out or observe rather the, the things that make every single one of those degrees unique. It could be this, the time to completion. It could be the fact that this professor has taught in that program for 20 years. Uh, and is universally loved. What are those unique characteristics that not only make those degree programs different from each other, but different from our competitors? And then let's lean into that because it's that uniqueness that is going to help us stand out um, amongst our competitors. And and that's been uh, fruitful for us. One of the prog one of the projects, excuse me, that I did for the undergraduate business school was called uh, Pit Business Backstory. And, and backstory was uh, a concept that spoke direct or was inspired by my teaching experience. So coming back to that earlier point with high school teachers and high school students wanting that personal connection, backstory had like a five beat process to it. First off, who was the student? And we start with their junior year in high school, it, detailing their journey. We start in the junior year. And then it's then we start to understand, like, this is what they're looking for in a program. Pitt maybe wasn't number one for them, but they came anyway. What was that conversion factor? And then two, what was your, you know, well, still in that junior year, who was your favorite teacher? We call out the teachers in our promotional work. That way we can send it directly to that teacher or to that principal and say, hey, you know, thank you for delivering to us such a wonderful student. They're great. Uh, that went over really well, but the deans also liked it because it gave the deans and the chairs and some other faculty opportunities, inroads to talk to these schools to develop admissions pipelines. Okay. So then 
it would go to the first year. So what was your first year experience like? You're, you're 18 years old, newly minted to college. What was that like? We show high visuals, a lot of culture, activity, a lot of people, a lot of color. Um, and then it gets a little bit more serious. Okay, we start talking about your career a little bit. You're a sophomore. You're looking for an internship. Um, maybe you do a study abroad piece, uh, experience, excuse me. So we talk about study abroad. We show pictures of Ireland and China and Japan and, and Africa and wherever else. So we're telling them like from junior year of high school, you're going to have all of these experiences can be very similar. And then from, from that, we talk about the internships, do learning outcomes, hiring outcomes. And at the end, it'll say this person got a job before they graduated. They are going to be working for. Uh, Ernst and Young. And uh, it tells the whole story. And we took that that mentality of those four or five beats and we are applying it to every single graduate degree. So that way we can say to you, Erica, oh, you're interested in an MBA with business analytics. Well, follow this person's story. It's 100% true. And you may find that your journey will be similar. Um, so we've taken that whole mentality to our content and we're maximizing that, scaling it out uh, majorly. So we're looking at like hundreds of content pieces, but it's all SEO driven. Um, and then we supplement that SEO driven content with uh, an adequate investment in our uh, search engine marketing, Google ads, paid, dis uh, uh, paid search, paid display. And we did that for our newly minted executive doctor of business administration. And our website hits went, in, they're just insane. It went through the roof. The DBA program itself, its specific page was getting more hits on it than the homepage itself by a factor of 10,000. Um, so all of those things get into alignment and we're off and running and it's, it's been really great. So um, where we may not, if we're not getting uh, admissions, uh, enrollment, uh, we're definitely getting uh, we're managing that brand and we're getting a huge, a bigger reputation. So it's a I think what's so cool about hearing that story is just the power of personalization, right? And I think as social pros and as marketers, yep. that's a topic that we're seeing come up just more and more. How do we get more personalized? And it is a, a really big investment in, in content and it's an investment in the visual storytelling. I, I caught that very strong call to action to marketers to spend a week in a class. Um, and I yeah. also got some Ben Stein, Ferris Bueller vibes when you reminded us of those professors that are a little bit monotone. Clearly, yep. I don't think that's you, RJ. I think a week in a class with you would be, would be oh, awesome. Um, but, you know, on that topic of just investment and for higher education institutions, I mean, it really sounds like the University of Pittsburgh is embracing social media by allocating budget. And I'd just love to hear a little bit more mm -hmm. about your experience there and how that's changing and what fights or not fights or, you know, what you've had to do to make that business case. Because I think there are other listeners and, and marketers probably out there who are trying to convince their stakeholders. And in higher education, we're working, we're trying to do a lot with less. And I just love to hear about you know, how, how you're seeing in higher ed specifically that investment and care in social media. So, uh, social media is the front line. Uh, it is the first and last place people go. You, you know, you often hear like, 
All right. Well, we're going to we're going to do a drip campaign and we're going to get people to our social media by way of email blast. And then once they find our social, we'll eventually find their way to our website. And ideally, we want them to stay on our website as long as possible. And I'm not convinced that that is true or needs to be true. Um, yeah, I do want them to go to our website, um, but we've designed our social media in such a way that um, we don't necessarily talk a lot about our programs. We talk we talk a lot about our culture in the in the business school, and we talk a lot about the uh, the things that our students are doing, the innovative things that our faculty are doing. And you know, we don't want to use our social channels to sell our programs necessarily. I mean, just by virtue of their existence, that's kind of what they do. Um, but we don't. I mean, uh, prospective students aren't necessarily interested in that, especially on the undergraduate level. They just don't care. Um, they don't care who the, the dean is necessarily. Um, they want to see what their peers in their age group uh, or, or, you know, uh, program level are, are doing. And um, we celebrate that. And that takes a lot of work to do because we have to find those students. So one of the things that we've been working on is for our programs are so big that there is, there's a program manager for every MBA, every MS, et cetera. When a student applies, gets accepted, enrolls, we want their name. And then we're going to reach out to them directly. Why were you interested in Pitt? And then, you know what, we're going to check up with you maybe a year. We'll set, reach back out, develop relationships with them and say, hey, do you mind answering a few questions? We'll put this up on social media, et cetera. And then we'll do that again as they get closer to graduation. Um, so that way we have a beat on who these students are, why they're here, what their stories are. And we always know what's going on there versus having to, to, to pull teeth from program managers and faculty, like, who's this person? Who can we talk to? Um, so we're, we're very close to the ground, close to the student body, always really trying to uh, tap into to what they're doing and celebrate them. That's the other thing. Uh, undergraduate students are very aware of professional branding. They know that when they're signal boosted on social media, that that could mean something. So uh, we position the value of our, our social media accounts to to be on, it's like an honor to be a part of it. Um, and we want to celebrate all the people that, that come to our business school and, and put them on our social, but, you know, we put the people that are doing really incredible things up front and, and that has helped tremendously. Um, but ultimately they visit the website, they get what they need, and then they're going to come back to the social media and really invest in that. So, um, when it comes to increasing our budgets with that, um, you know, we've, we've done some things where, uh, well, first off, everything we do has a budget and of course, but, um, social media is really important. Um, we use our, we try to increase our budget every year in social to purchase new technology, to, uh, do skill development, professional development training, um, and not just for myself or the social media manager, but student ambassadors too. We want them to be a part of that. So for example, we just bought like a $2,000 iPhone, right? Like top of the line so that we could get the best pictures. But then we're also training our, our ambassadors how to use that phone and to do it well. Um, and then, you know, the software that we use, we're, we're a food suite company right now. Um, and we just increased our, our allotment there because we're on TikTok now. So 
we're trying to do really interesting TikTok uh, work. Um, so I, I don't have a great answer for you all with respect to increasing the budgets other than having, I have the, the fortune of having uh, leaders in my college that understand the value of social media. Our newly minted dean is very Twitter active. Uh, he comes from marketing, so he knows how important it is. So I actually don't have to make a case because he gets it. Um, but um, for for all of my peers across different institutions that are are trying to make that that fight, um, especially if they if they have to deal with leaders that are saying like, just make it go viral, you know? Uh, why do I have to put money in it? It should go viral. No, nothing from higher ed is ever organically going to go viral unless it's insane or really funny, um, and or just extremely well done. So um, I would say to those folks, you might be facing an uphill battle if you can't convince your manager to uh, your marketing director to give you more money for social. Okay. Um, part of that uphill battle is if your supervisor is not what does not have the vision for it, you're not going to be able to increase your budget for it. You may have the vision, but it's their call. And then they have to work that up the hill. Um, and if they can't be convinced or they don't have the vision for it, you're never going to get that money. So you have to think obliquely. You have to, uh, have, um, a divergent thinking, right? You can put money into social, uh, just for organic posts and things like that, buying new tech or whatever new, uh, materials for ideas, but they may not necessarily go anywhere. So try to do more with less. Unfortunately, when it comes to paid ads, most universities use a third party, a vendor, and that you're completely cut out of that conversation at all. I mean, you're not even a part of it. So um, you have to make the case like, I want to learn how to do this. I want to do our paid ads. I want to integrate those paid ads with our organic strategy, which can then also integrate into our email drip campaigns, our print media, our website, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So take an integrative, holistic approach and attach your social media needs to other budgets. So, uh, like we're going to have a social campaign, let's have a print piece with it and let's give that print piece a $1,500 budget out of that. Take what you need from that it, to augment your work. We could talk about this all day. And I, uh, I think <laughs> it's no surprise that we, we should be referring to you as professor Thompson, uh, because you have so oh. much, you have so oh, much, thank you. You draw on both the the practitioner and the educator perspective that I I do think makes for the best uh, the best marketers those who who can teach and do at the same time are pretty rare. So we definitely think you lot of uh, lot of amazing insights and nuggets of advice here. Um, so thank you for being part of the Social Pros podcast and for joining us. Before we wrap up and before we sign off for the week. We have a couple questions for you. We've asked every guest who's ever been on the social pros these two questions. Are you ready? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to ask anyway. <laughs> uh, first question. If you could give a piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro, what would it be? Um, great. So how do I approach this? So, um, I would, I would approach this like I would with any, with anybody that wanted to be anything. Um, and it, and it sort of calls back to that idealized self-concept. So 
Um, if you're, and I actually have some students that this came up yesterday, like they want to go into social media marketing and, and I told them like, that's great. You can do it. You can do anything that you want. Um, but always consider a, a version of your future where social media marketing is, but the start it's the base from which other things grow. So, uh, my advice would be if you're interested in, in social media, Know that you can do a, a lot of great things, but if you have a really strong grasp on the technology and on content, but you know your audience the best, that will serve you with anything that you need to do. If you can answer questions, if you can ask your audiences questions and you know how they're going to answer, um, the deeper and more immersive your knowledge of them, the better, because um, that will answer every other question that you could ever have with relation to content or how much do I spend on a paid ad or whenever. Um, so get to know your audience, be a part of the community that you are serving. And then um, the social media will come naturally. There will be times when you have to produce content that may deviate from your content strategy or may go against the grain with respect to the personality of your platforms. But um, that's, that's part of the course. You have to lean into that. Um, also, try to get as much knowledge and training as you can, not just on the software, but also on the processes. The processes you, you, you learn like from uh, the National Institute for Social Media, for example, with their social media strategist certification. What you can learn from that will carry on into your marketing, into PR, into comms, into design. It may not feel like an intuitive transition, but it will absolutely bleed into those other areas. Um, but it'll also help you become multi- skilled. Um, so social media managers, you know, most of them are comms people. They may not be marketers first, but when you're a social media manager, you're a marketer, you're a communicator, you're a designer, you're a part of the community. You're an avatar for your community. Actually, uh, you're, you're, you're the representative. You have to be all those things. So you have to be willing to learn new skills and find out how those skills reinforce one another. And then the last part of that is, um, if, if, you love social media. That's awesome. Stick with it forever, but understand that you do not have to. Uh, social media can be a very uh, demanding job. You are on, you're on the clock a lot, even if you aren't. Um, that can be draining and it's okay if it is. Um, you can walk away from it. You can do other things. Um, but unfortunately, in, in higher education, social media positions aren't uh, really given the, the respect that they need. Like uh, Pitt, this, just this past year, uh, put out a job for a director of social media. And then it became an executive director of social media. I'm not aware of an executive director of social media at any other school let alone in the professions, in the industry. Um, so you can climb the ladder, but as you do that, the job's narrow, all right? So take all of those multi-skills that you've developed and don't be afraid to apply them in different areas. So like, yeah, maybe you'll become a, a director of comms or director of marketing or director of digital marketing or whatever. Um, don't, let, uh, don't let that be a, a limit for you. Um, so that would be, that would be my advice. Social media, it can be the end all be all, but it can also be a launch point for other great things and, and lean into it. I think that's such, there were so many things that were very powerful pieces of advice in there, but 
you know, major call out, I think, to just being your own fan. Uh, if you're going to be in the community, you know, be a participant of the community. And then I also think, too, um, I saw on LinkedIn recently a great kind of saying about how the word marketing is not really real. This could be controversial, but it's also like <laughs> a lot of many small experiences and things that add up to the greater sum of all parts. Right. And that really, you know, resonates, I think, with what you're saying about, you know, getting the experience in all these different areas, bring it all together, cumulative, and you can make massive impact in these organizations. So just just really great advice. Mm -hmm. um, final of the two questions, if you could do a video call with one living person, who would it be? Gentleman by the name of uh, Stefan Sagmeister. Uh, for those that are very marketing and design oriented, you may know of him. Uh, Stefan Sagmeister is a graphic designer, probably one of the, the best known living graphic designers practicing right now. Um, when I was in school, when I was an undergrad and graduate, his work was very, very influential to me. Um, but I was more, I was always more interested in how he solved problems and how he looked at the world versus what his design work was. So um, it was that particular relationship that resonated with me, but also others as well. So he made a film. It was called The Happy Film, and I recommend you checking it out. Um, it's it's a wonderful exploration in not only his artistry and creativity, but also uh, his his personal life. And the thing that I always liked about Sagmeister that I tried to do myself, and fortunately this happens sort of naturally, is um, where... All, all designers zig, he chooses to zag. He, purposes, he purposely does everything different, even if it's simple. Um, he does it differently. And I, I was always inspired by how different and amazing his life was just by virtue of doing every single thing differently. Um, you don't see a lot of that sort of divergent thinking. And, and it really challenged his uh, creativity. So like the work that he does... He uses organic material to make letters. And then out of that, he makes these statements, but they can appear anywhere. So like he could, he could essentially like weave pieces of grass in between a chain link fence to make a phrase. And, and then you look at that as a piece of art, but then it also challenges you to think. So I, I really like being in that heady nerd space where um, you have to think differently about everything. And with... My work in higher ed, I try to take that tactic as well, where everyone has, I am a believer, a student, a fighter, like, okay, I've seen that a million times. It's just a typical ad campaign. Let's do something so completely different that it throws people off. So taking that mentality, applying it to the higher ed model, and then turning it upside down helps me produce really cool ideas that I'm excited about. And I think a video call with him would just be kind of interesting. Because it would be, you couldn't, ex you could not expect anything about it. And I love the unexpected, provided it's positive. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's I it. love RJ Thompson. I, you are disrupting convention. You are definitely giving us amazing <laughs> food for thought and introducing probably a lot of our listeners to someone, you know, they should definitely go check out. Um, RJ, again, Director of Digital Marketing over at the Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh. Jack of all trades, professor, doing many, many, many things. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing so many incredible tips and points and tricks. Uh, we hope that our social lows 
If Social Pros listeners, you've enjoyed our time today. Thank you for tuning in for what we hope is your absolute favorite marketing podcast in the world, Social Pros. And if you want to follow RJ Thompson over on LinkedIn, you can check him out there. Thank you for listening. And we will have you here next time on Social Pros. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Daniel. This was great.